What is up, guys? Welcome to Our Hearts Surrendered. My name is Addison, and I'm one of the co-hosts of this podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Our Hearts Surrendered. My name is Sophie, and I'm the other co-host of this podcast. I don't think I said that right. That felt wrong, but here we are, rolling with the punches. Welcome back. Week three of our gospel series. We've covered Matthew and Mark, so pause this episode if you haven't listened to those. Go back and listen to those. They are fantastic. Uh, Addie did an amazing job last week doing Mark. And so if you haven't gone back and listened to those, go do it. And if you have, welcome to week three of the gospel series. Today, we're going to go through the book of Luke. Got some cool stuff for you guys. But before we do that, we're starting our new tradition. We've done it two weeks. This makes three. This is a full blown tradition at this point, three weeks strong. So we're doing this new thing called word of the week, where you guys probably don't want to hear about our whole weeks every single week because that would be long and honestly my life isn't super exciting you'd probably just hear about my daily routine I don't know if you guys want to hear about that so instead we're doing words of the week where we sum up our week in one word and stay tuned to the end of March where we do quarterly recaps so for right now Addie what was your word for this week my word for the week is probably Oh my gosh. This is like such a hard question. Um, I'm going to go with adjustment. I think last week I said challenging. I was like, it's challenging to get back into the swing of things. And now I'm just adjusting. I'm like, this is the new norm again. It's like the re-norm. Um, I'm getting back into my swing. Um, I'm like learning how to love people from a distance. I'm doing all the things that I need to in order to adjust for what this semester is going to look like and um, or what it could possibly look like and just do the things. But um, yeah, I don't know. Sophie, what about you? Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. Adjustment, adjustment, and more adjustment. I would say for me, my word would be unknown. Going into this week, there were a lot of unknowns and still are. Hashtag college, am I right? Just a lot of unknowns there working through all of that and working through a lot of unknowns going into second semester senior year. I felt a little bit unprepared just um, getting everything ready for graduation, all the things. Um, I would say unknown because I don't think any of us really know how to feel or how to respond to the fact that we're graduating high school in five months. I told someone this morning, how am I supposed to graduate? I don't know how to do that. (laughs) And so I feel like that the word unknown just kind of sums up how I'm feeling my week, all the things. So we hope you guys enjoyed that. Those were our words of the week. Maybe we'll make like a theme song or something. Who knows? Stay tuned. The tradition will continue. So now we're going to go into what we're talking about today. Today, we're going to talk about the book of Luke and Guys, the book of Luke is pretty cool, let me tell you. And so before we do that, every week we read a little intro that are in the back of Addie and I's Bibles. So listen along with me as I read to you about the book of Luke. It says, the gospel of Luke is in the form of a letter to a man named Theophilus. Luke wrote after having carefully investigated all the facts about Christ. Luke documents Christ's life from before his birth through his ministry, death, and resurrection. Jesus carried out his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit, announcing the good news of salvation. He showed numerous times his compassion for the poor and the outcast. 
he fulfilled prophecy and carried out his purpose to seek and save the lost. Luke gives the fullest account of Christ's birth, and only Luke records the parables of the Good Samaritan and the Prodigal Son. Luke, a physician and a colleague of Paul, probably wrote the account in the early 60s AD. He also wrote Acts. So my man Luke over here did some cool things, and he wrote some cool things. Okay, so before we hop in, let's just talk about Luke. Luke is, like it said, he was a physician, which I think is really cool. He was also a travel companion of Paul. Luke being a physician is something to note because as a physician, he was, and it said there, he carefully studied uh, the works of Christ before he created his account, which I think is super super cool because to me that reassures the accuracy of it that someone was clearly checking it and really dove into the accounts before he wrote his account so i think that's really cool and something okay luke is also one of the synoptic gospels which is matthew mark and luke those three gospels are written in the same kind of format and they follow the same path with jesus's birth life um death, resurrection, and ascension. So that's kind of the flow that the three gospels follow. And then John follows a different pattern, but each gospel points to Jesus being the Messiah. And although there are differences in the gospel, they all uh, complement each other and they don't contradict each other, which is super, super cool. Okay. So let's start by reading Luke 1, 1 through 4. It says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So this is something that's really cool at the beginning of the Luke, in the beginning of the book of Luke. He very clearly talks, like tells us what he's doing. He's writing an orderly account for Theophilus so that he may have be certain of the things that he has been taught. That is so cool that it's right there letting us know, hey, this is what's going to happen. So Theophilus, just a little background for you, was a Roman official. It was written to, this is unique from Matthew and Mark, because it was written to one person, not a group of people. Theophilus became a Christian, and Luke wanted him to know and understand the details of his faith. Theophilus may have requested a written account of Jesus' life. So this is the purpose in Luke. This is Luke's why. He wants to show us how the fulfillment of the long covenant story between God and Israel, and more importantly, the story of God and the whole world. So that was from the Bible recap videos, or the Bible project videos, I should say. Let's now talk about what other what else Luke wrote. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And how can we know that? Well, let's flip there and find out. In Acts 1, it says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given command through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He had presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit 
not many days from now. So it's very clear in Acts that Acts is part two of Luke. It's a little sequel, and it was written to Theophilus. So whoever wrote the book of Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And like we've said before, the authors are not confirmed, but it's uh, likely that the book of Luke was written by Luke. So what was going on at the time? This is from a website I read called insight.org, and it said, much of the dating of the book of Luke depends on the dating of Acts. Luke's second volume cuts off with Paul imprisoned in Rome before Paul's death, which is in AD 68, and even before the persecution of Christians broke out under Nero, which was in AD 64. It stands to reason that the book of Luke was completed before Acts, but when? Acts 21.17 says that Luke accompanied Paul on the apostles' final visit to Jerusalem. That occurred in AD 57 or 58. If Luke took to write to writing his gospel soon after the information was gathered, then it would have com been completed around AD 60, after Paul had been transferred to a Roman prison. So that kind of sums up what was going on at the time and how Luke followed Paul around. And if you haven't read about Paul's life, go read about it in the New Testament. In all of the New Testament, we hear about Paul's life and ministry. Um, but we're not talking about Paul right now. We're talking about Luke and most importantly, Jesus. So some things to note in the book of Luke. The book of Luke has the most uh, detailed account of Christmas, of the Christmas story of Jesus's birth. I shouldn't say the Christmas story. I should say Jesus's birth. You've probably read Luke during Christmas time, Luke 1 and 2, because it's very detailed about Jesus's birth. And it's really cool that we have that document because while the other two have it, this has even more. And so it's really cool how you can learn from all of them, like I've talked about and stood in awe of. So going on in chapters three through nine, uh, Luke just paints a portrait and portrays Jesus's mission. Um, Jesus calls disciples and he does miracles. He performs miracles and he preaches and he tells parables. And then the middle of the book is Jesus's journey to Jerusalem. And then it ends with the passion story, which is Jesus's death and resurrection. Okay, so the book of Luke includes stories of Jesus coming for the poor, the social outcast, and the sick. This shows us that Jesus brings restoration. And this was really cool. Quote, Jesus is expanding the circle of who is invited into God's kingdom. He, Jesus hangs out with tax collectors and he heals the sick. So that is super cool. And that's part of Luke that we get to see. And then in Luke 9, 28 through 36, we see the story of the transfiguration. Okay. And I encourage you to go read it uh, because, and I'm not going to get into it because we would be here for a while. But in this, Luke portrays Jesus as the new Moses, which is really, really cool. And something that I noted is that Luke kind of shows us that being a disciple means participating in Jesus's kingdom. Something, okay, I want to pause here. Take a pause. We're going to pause from talking about Luke real quick, and we're going to talk about something really cool right now. This is probably not the best place. Sorry if my teaching or like explanation is all over the place, but this is so cool to me, you guys. So last year, I've talked about it before. I got to take an apologetics class, and we 
talked about all four of the gospels throughout the class, but we spent more time talking about Matthew and John. And I forgot that we had spent most time talking about that. So I kind of put off um, talking about Luke. Uh, I just put off doing research because I thought that my notes from last year would have detailed research about Luke. And it turns out that we didn't spend that much time in Luke, which is okay. But so I was kind of scrambling, not scrambling. I kind of panicked that I didn't feel very equipped because on Matthew, I really relied on those notes because they taught me so much. But then I remembered that we had talked about manuscripts and talking about the reliability of the Bible. And I think that this really ties into it because Luke was really concerned about the reliability of the Bible through, and you can see that in Luke 1, 1 through 4, when he very clearly lays out his purpose, who he's writing to, and he gives in, like he's quote, I quote, an orderly account. So this is a quote that I have. The New Testament was written within the first century, most, if not all, by 70, 80, thus by eyewitnesses to the event. The New Testament has more manuscripts than any other ancient document, and these manuscripts are closer to closest to the original than any other. Archaeology has never contradicted the New Testament. It's continually affirmed and accredited. Non-Christian sources are also congruent and compatible with the New Testament. And this, to me, is super encouraging when talking about Luke. Because to me, when I read Luke, after I read that first part and learned more about he was writing to Theophilus, he's just writing a letter. He's compiled eyewitness evidence and he wrote this letter to Theophilus. And we can be sure that it's accurate and this because of the manuscripts and the proof that we have. So I thought that was really encouraging and really cool. Maybe you're feeling like, how do we know the Bible is accurate? How do we? And I encourage you to do further research. Okay, so the majority of what I want to talk about is this a story that brings me to tears every time I read it. Man, it's powerful. So we're going to talk about Luke 24. This is the last chapter of Luke, and this sets the stage for Acts. But before that, Jesus rose from the dead. That's pretty important information. And after that, he is walk. he's on this road and it's I don't know if I'm saying this right, but it's the on the road to Emos, okay? And he was going to see his disciples. And this story in Luke is so powerful. It's going to be a little bit long. Bear with me. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emos, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. They're talking about Jesus's death on the cross. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, so some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, 
And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us, opened to us the scriptures? And they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then, then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Okay, that was a lot, but man, how powerful is that story? I was watching the Bible Project video and they were reminding me of this story. And this story just blows my mind because how often are we like, am I like the man in the road that is might actually quite literally be walking next to Jesus and doesn't realize it and doesn't stand in awe of his presence and is kind of blind to the fact of who he was talking to. And I think so many times we get caught up in all of the details, like maybe the details of church or the details of just being perfect to our faith. Like these people were caught up in just the news. Like they said to Jesus, have you, have you not heard the news of what had just happened? And Jesus was Jesus was standing with them. He was with them. He walked on this road with them and they missed it. And how often do I miss this? And I don't want to miss it. So I encourage you not to miss walking with Jesus. I don't, I encourage you to not miss what, like having a relationship with Jesus, but also in the day to day walking alongside with Jesus, because I think that breaks my heart is how many of us, including myself, walk the day without walking with Jesus or blind to the fact that Jesus is walking right next to us. Because it says, if you have Jesus in your heart, like it talks about in Acts, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so you have Jesus with you every day. And so I think it's really kind of eye-opening to me and encouraging to not miss Jesus. Because man, like, like, all of the gospels, there's four accounts of Jesus's works, and he has proven that he's the Messiah in those four accounts. So don't miss them. Addie? Yeah, that is such a good word. Oh my gosh. How convicting is that? Like the amount of times that I'm like, God, please draw near to me. Like I am drawing near to you. Where are you at, bro? Like I need you so badly. And I like look at his side and I'm like, oh my gosh, this whole time he's been right here. Like he's been right here the whole time. And it's just like, it just takes intentionality. And like, um, like if you are saved, like don't like hear us when we say this, if you are saved, then you have the spirit within you. But if you have not accepted Christ into your heart and you don't have salvation, 
Like that is open to you. And that is a gift that like is such a blessing and something that you will never regret doing, but you have to be ready for that. Right. And that is something that you can like take advantage, not take advantage. I don't like that word. You can like appreciate once you have been saved. And once you have like accepted Jesus into your heart and you've claimed the gospel and that is part of sanctification. It's like a tool that the Holy spirit is right. Um, I, it reminds me of like in Luke, Luke five, um, it, wow, words were just really hard to get out for a second there. Um, verse 15 is one of my favorite passages in like the entire Bible, but says, but now even more the report about him went abroad and the great cats gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Verse 16, do not miss this. This is the verse that I really actually meant to read. I just went a little too far back says, but he would withdraw to desolate places, but he would withdraw to desolate places, desolate places and pray. Jesus, the son of God, a hundred percent God, a hundred percent man. Like this, this guy is like a hundred percent God. And he still withdrew, took intentional time away from the crowds to spend time in prayer with his father, his dad. He's like, dad, let me talk to you, man. Like I need you. If Jesus a hundred percent, God needs his own father. Like who are we to fall asleep during prayer? Like that is like ridiculous that like Jesus made a practice, a habit to take time to focus his eyes on things that would last. Like hear me when I say that on things that would last, like his relationship with the father. Right. And we have that all available to us as well. He was singing up with God. You know, Luke is just such a powerful. I'm, I'm just going to flip through because I have a lot of notes on Luke. A few passages besides that one that stick out um, verses or chapter two, verses 22 through 24. I'm not going to read them, but essentially it is this. Um, how do you what do you call it? Um, I think it's just kind of like a rule, a law. Um, Yeah, I guess I would say I would say a law that um, certain things are to be called for. um, And it's talking about and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons and like Jesus presented at the table. Right. That's what the entire thing is talking about is Jesus presented at the table. Joseph and Mary like helped Jesus as an infant. The parents helped Jesus. Uphold the law. And like, this is just like so funny in my head because I'm like, he's the son of God. Why does he have to uphold the law? Of course he's uphold the law. He was perfect, right? But like skipping over that completely, obedience to God, because this wasn't just like Roman law. It was also just obedience in general, obedience to Roman law that was also enacted and like put into place and respecting elders and all the good things that come from the Lord. It's another thing that we like must obey the laws which is why we don't murder people, you know, like one of those things. Um, Obedience to God leads to joy. If he had not offered up those turtle doves or young pigeons or whatever, he would have been killed. Like obedience leads to joy. And there's so many times in my life, like literally recently, I could pinpoint an exact moment where I was like, I don't want to be obedient because it's not going to lead me to any joy. And I like looked back on this passage and I was like, oh my God it's going to lead to joy. And I know it will, but like obedience is hard. And I'm not saying that it's not, um, but it is hard, but there are passages all throughout Luke that just are just like so relatable. And it's like one of the gospels, like I said this last week, Mark is such a like humanity and like humility gospel of just like, oh my gosh, I'm doubting Jesus. I don't know what the heck it means that he is the son of God or like 
he is king and he's 100 percent god 100 percent man how does it work that math doesn't add up but it's like the, the disciples had that down and it's like you can resonate with them and this is another gospel that's very very similar to that of just like there are these things throughout it like please read through all of the gospels in luke because there are so many things um that it's just like oh like i feel that like obedience is hard i feel that or oh i mean i don't i don't want to like i don't mean to be rude but i'm trying to bear fruit and i just want it to happen right now but bear fruit with patience fruit is bared with patience you see that um through the the parable of the sower and the purpose of the parables right um in chapter i believe that's chapter eight yeah um and it's like oh i don't take intentional time in prayer and i'm like wondering why i feel so far from the father and it's like draw near to me and i will draw near to you and it's like jesus himself had to remind himself to sit down and be in prayer with his father and that's like literally a hundred percent man a hundred percent god i keep repeating that because of like the importance of it um but chapter okay chapter 13 the second little paragraph of it is the parable of the barren fig tree you cannot expect fruit if you aren't nourishing your relationship with god like you know how many you know how many times i like lay in my bed and i'm like well i really just am like not having a very fruitful season you know like somebody's like how's your season been are you in a dry season a good one bad one and i'm like no nah, it's just kind of dry kind of barren and they're like were you reading the word diving after like encouraging other people spreading the gospel and spending time in prayer i'm like no they're like well that makes sense that you're not seeing fruit and that's why you know, just Luke is full of so many. I think that Luke is like, if somebody asked me, what is the first book of the Bible that you should read? I think I would say Luke. And I think that somebody has probably told me that exact thing before um, because Luke is like just full of so many good things. And Sophie did an incredible job recapping it. I will say my favorite, I said this, I, don't remember, I think I said this about Matthew and passage about Matthew. Um, but another one of my favorite, most convicting things in the entire world was actually about this time last year is February is after a conference that Sophie and I went to and I got my feelings hurt really badly. And I was like, that's it. I am done being friends with these people. I am out of it. Not in reference to Sophie. Um, like I am out of it. I have given them so many chances. I am so hurt. I'm so sick and tired of this. And chapter 17 verse 4 says and if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times say i repent you must forgive him god is not a god of chances guys luke is like in all of the gospels are such a beautiful representation that god is not a god of chances and thank thank the lord that he's not because if he was a god of chances i would have run out by now we all would have and we would have been like stuck in hell like literally burning because we like if he was like okay you get even like a hundred, a thousand, 10,000 chances. And I'll forgive you all 10,000 of them, but 2001, don't do it. Like, I can't forgive you that 10,001 time. Like, girl, we would be out, boy. I don't care what, like we would be out and praise God that he's not a God of chances. And we are not people as people of God, as people who worship the Lord and reflect his characteristics. We are also not called to be made of chances because i will fail sophie a million times she will fail me a million times but we are still called to love one another like christ loves us and that is the true gospel is the ultimate love story between a father who loves his children so much so much that he would sacrifice his only only son to die for them a million times over so so yeah that's awesome yeah definitely the book of luke man so much to learn go read it go read all the gospels go learn about jesus there's so much you can 
learn and dive into and we're just scratching the surface here so i think we'll pray and then we'll be on our way so hey god thank you for today thank you for the opportunity to talk about luke talk about you talk about salvation found in you i thank you for what you came to earth to do i thank you for your ministry and for your life and thank you most of all for what you did on my behalf and everyone's behalf for dying on the cross for our sins not only for your friends but for your enemies i thank you for the gift of the gospel and i pray for the listener um who does not believe that that you would encourage them and convict them to believe in that today and i pray for the listener who does that they wouldn't miss walking with you every day because oh what a gift what a gift it is to be able to spend the day walking with you thank you for today we thank you that uh your mercies are new every day please be with the listeners this week please keep us all health healthy and, and safe and uh help us just to reflect you and all that we do in jesus name i pray amen Amen. Guys, I am so stoked to talk to you guys about John next week. So make sure to check in for that last final week of um, January, not only like the first month of the new year, but also the end of the series. And we have exciting stuff coming up in February. Um, If you want maybe a sneak peek of those or just to see what Sophie and I look like, put some faces to the voices that you're hearing. Check out our Instagram at a faith podcast. Um, and we have a little blog. It's called Broken Vessels Blog. You can find it at brokenvesselsblog.com. And essentially every week we do like a little recap of what we say here. We talk fast. We have things going through our mind of like a billion miles per hour. So we try to like consolidate it into like one like I don't know, 400 word blog that is like a three minute read. If you read slow, like if you read fast, it's even shorter. Um, but basically it's there. It's a recap of what we said in case we like mumbled said something went like so random that you couldn't even, it was distracting. You couldn't listen to the rest of the episode. Like I get it. I've been there. Um, check it out. If you like need to read it, if you don't, and you understood everything we were saying, that's totally fine. It's literally just a recap. Um, and I find that summarizations are helpful, especially like when I'm trying to learn. Um, that's brokenvesselsblog.com. You can email us at ourheartsurrender.gmail.com if you have any questions, any concerns, anything like that that you want to talk to us about. Um, and then Lita, leave us a rating and review if you want to. You don't have to, but we love to read those. They bring us so much joy. Um, and we just like feedback, all positive, all negative, whatever it is. I think that's about all we have for you guys. So let's strive to live in wholehearted surrender this week.